Welcome to Industry Insights, a podcast for, by and about the film industry from the European film market in cooperation with Goethe Institute. My name is Johanna Koljonen. I'm a media analyst and experienced designer based in Sweden, and I'm sharing hosting duties on this podcast with the awesome Nadia Denton, whom you've heard in the last few episodes. We prepared this episode of EFM Industry Insights together with our colleagues at the Berlinale co-production market, and we're going to dive deep into the current landscape for producers in conversation with a very interesting producer indeed, Eva Puschinska. Eva's become one of Europe's most successful international producers, who works locally in Poland as well as internationally, as a producer, delegate producer, co-producer, depending on the project, and across platforms and formats such as live-action fiction features, documentary, animation and TV drama. If you watch festival film at all, you will know her work as a producer, at the very least Paweł Polikowski's films Ida and Cold War. But honestly, it almost seems like every film she touches ends up screening at a major festival, often in competition. Kuszczynska spent over two decades with Opus Film in Poland and struck out on her own in 2014, naming her company Extreme Emotions, thereby giving herself the outstanding professional title Head of Extreme Emotions. Just to name a few examples, her recent work includes Mariusz Wyszynski's animated feature Kill It and Leave This Town, which was in the Encounter section in Berlin last year, and Yasmila Zbanici's hit Kuovadis Aida, which she co-produced. That film was in the co-production market in Berlin. This year she's working on an upcoming Jonathan Glaser project set to shoot this fall. Welcome to the podcast, Eva. Hello, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to talk about, you know, productions, co-productions and producers' live. Amazing. I mean, I, I think we should start with right now and with producers' lives today. We're hopefully starting to see the beginning of the end of the pandemic. How how have you been working in the last year? Oh, it was a very strange year. It was a very strange year for me professionally and personally, you know, because after, let's say, almost 25 years running, really running, living in, in, in running, and when one of a sudden, you know, you felt like you... You know, you feel like you fell on your face and stop and don't really know if you can get up and if anything is broken or not. So this is when I finally was able to, you know, stand up and look around and see what's going on. I have to find a way how to redefine myself and redefine my work in this year, which we at the very beginning didn't really know what it's going to look like. Uh, but, you know, through the year, it happened that I was not producing. Both productions I was supposed to shoot last year were postponed. They were not cancelled, but postponed for this year due to COVID. Uh, you know, mostly the financiers, because there were co-productions with US, UK and Poland. And of course, you know, the financiers decided that, you know, the risk is too big. So let's wait for next year. Let's see how things develop. Let's at least learn how to deal with that pandemic. Uh, and this is really what happened. But I was so I used this year as for, you know, looking around and, and think redefining, as I said myself, as a producer, what I should be doing, should my life next kind of after pandemic life should be running again, or I should slow down and really look around. For my personal, uh, I was very lucky because I could work, not producing, but could work, participate in various workshops and, and meetings and giving, you know, like lectures and, and working. So that was also very interesting to, to dive into that 
part of my life, uh, but also to look around uh, at the nature. I spent the whole year in the country. I could work from there, but, you know, looking around and seeing things which I had no time, stupidly, stupidly, really had no time to, to, to look at. And I think this was really like, it, it brought me to the, to the um, spot where I said, okay, I need a little bit more of a balance in my life, but also in what I'm doing and how I am doing. That means we're catching you sort of at the perfect time. What were you going to say? I was going to say that, you know, this is also, I learned that some things in production can be done online. You know, this is, I learned how to prep, how to do, how to prep the project online. So this was also, you know, getting new knowledge, new abilities, new skills. I don't like it very much, to be honest. I really like people to touch them, to smell them, to, you know, to, to, to really be close. But of course, the need is a need. And I think that that also we will use even after pandemic, because it's also to, to um, let's be honest, it also is money saving if you not travel. And yeah. And that's true. And, and I mean, in in the after times, we're hoping it's going to be a combination, right? I've always felt that it's very much easier to do things online if you've already met the person once. Like if you've touched somebody's hand, then you can actually be uh, online with them in a different way. So I guess let's, I have to ask a co-production question directly then. How do you think what what you've learned in the last year will change co-production? I think, you know, that this is... I, I I don't quite really know. I don't have the specific answer to this question, but I think it will change uh, because we don't know how how long the pandemic will will last. We really don't know how long will be different kind of restrictions of traveling of bringing people from other countries. Uh, it it may change, you know, during this year as well. You know, like for example, the Germany blocked the UK people coming because of the Indian, uh, um, you know, variant of the. Virus. And so this is, we have to be prepared for all these surprises and really like always have a plan A, which is our basic and then play B. What happens if, yes? Um, and I think we will be, we probably will use a little bit more of, you know, online uh, conversations, not, not necessarily traveling. And online is still better than just phone because you can see the people, you can see their body language, if they are smiling or not, or, you know, the, the, so, so it's, it's much easier. So I think we will just drop the phones for a while and come online on Zooms and, and other platforms. And, uh, that will probably change. Um, and I think that, you know, this is the pandemic also. Brought you know totally changes the market because you know there is the uh, the streamers televisions are coming you know uh, very very strongly there's kind of a hit everybody thinks and there is a huge fight for content mm-hmm. because this is what it is you know this is there's so there's a lot of abilities for people there's a lot of ways to access you know the content but everybody have to or has to have the content, you know, people would like to to watch. So there is I can observe it even in Poland. I think that these are this is this is piling up that towards the end of this year and next year we will we will really see this tsunami of a fight of you know for the content for various streamers and televisions. So this is also focuses, you know, our work as producers, where do you want? Do we want to be here or do we want to be there or do we want to be both? Or that's that's really like I think a lot of needs a lot of thinking and defining ourselves. 
So in the last oh, at least 10 years, we've seen an enormous growth in the in the number of titles produced in television as well as in on the feature film side. But I think especially on the feature film side, it was very clear that the number of titles was was growing very rapidly because new money was coming into the system from the streamers, but in particular from production in, incentives all, all around the world. And that the the system of, of releasing theatrically films was uh, not the, or the or the number of films that were produced were way too big for that. So now with everything that's happening in the theatrical space and in streaming, uh, people are saying, well, the the total number of of feature length fiction films will probably go down, and I I have to say I agree with that. But I'm not sure it's a bad thing. I think that maybe the films that that were impossible to connect with an audience are the ones that would disappear. And I wonder how you how you look at this, because on the, on, on the one hand, yes, the theatrical marketplace is changing, possibly also shrinking. On the other hand, we know that the streamers are very interested in feature-length content. How, how do you see the development here? I think that, of course, you know, there will be, I, I would agree with you that, you know, the number of the, of the, of the feature films, you know, for theatrical release was, was too big. It was, there were too many films, you know, we are not able to watch all of them. We are not able to find the audience for all of them, you know. At the other hand, as you said, you know, there was money. So this is people were producing films, they, they were making films uh, because it's, it seemed, at least for the moment, it was easier financially. But then, of course, we are many producers and many films, you know, that they face, you know, the hit the wall of, of you know, distribution. There was no distribution. But sometimes it's not only, you know, and this is for me, it's personally, it's very, it's, it's I'm, always asking this question what is what is more important to really uh, again it's you know a lot of a lot of subjects coming to my mind because you know we sometimes forget that film is an art form it's an art form so this is not just telling the story it's art not not all films but we have to remember that that's also a part of our film culture and this is for example like the um, kill it and live this time which premiere in berlinale you know this is this is the film it's a pure art animation for grown-up people it's it's really so different that people you know the they they didn't know how to position that film you know even at the festivals the film was was invited to the festivals but then when it come to awards you know this is one of a sudden you saw that you know the uh the animation which was awarded is a kind of a family story animation you know so this is really and then but yes we hit we traveled all over with the festivals but we hit the wall about the distribution. I got a beautiful email from the sales agents, which I was trying to present film to saying, okay, this is a magnificent piece of art, but not a marketing good. We cannot sell it. We don't know how to sell it. And now, knowing and, and kind of anticipating that that might be the, the, you know, the result of them, should I say, okay, okay, so there's no point making this film? Because nobody wants to watch it, because nobody wants to sell it. What well, doesn't mean nobody wants to watch it. This, this is another thing. This is another thing. Exactly. Exactly. We don't know how to sell it. It's not the same thing as nobody wants to see it. Yeah. Exactly. So then I said, okay, I believe in this film. I believe in art. So let's make it. Let's 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 do it. And then you know, this is there are people who want to watch it. You know, there, as you said, people there there they didn't want how to sell it because. Yes, we we cannot earn a lot of money on this film, but also this is this touches pandemic because we invented I think a beautiful way 
of distribution of this film, and it was a combination of theaters, but also galleries, art galleries and museums. And we really had it done. It was really well planned. But then was the pandemic. Nothing happened, nothing, because people could not neither go to cinema, nor to galleries. So this was really... But this film became a phenomenon in Poland, a social phenomenon. You know, this is people watch it. Uh, even in this little window, we had the, the cinemas open. And we, people watch it and people were talking. People were opening. It also happened in Berlin. So, okay, so this is about the about one film. But I agree with you. Okay, this this we will produce less films, but we have to be very careful. You know, this is what we want to produce. And not all producers produce the same kind of films. And this is also something which we can position ourselves in the market, also in the co-production market, because, you know, our partners and, and people who want to co-produce with us, you know, or the people who I would like to co-produce, you know, we have to match ourselves, you know. Mm. I, I don't think I can really co-produce with somebody who really works on the mainstream, I don't know, romantic comedies, which is great. We need those films as well. But I don't think that would be a partner for me. You know, so yeah. that's yeah. I, I I'm thinking uh, another thing about Kill It and Live This Town, the the film we were just talking about, uh, the animation is that I think that can have an audience with people who don't typically watch festival films, but who are great consumers of animation for adults, which is uh, on the commercial side. Um, it's a very rapidly growing um, field, typically serialized on television, but but there are many. Um, you know, they're often sold sort of as a, under sort of broad headline of some kind of comedy for adults, but they are not, I mean, they are very dark and very complex types of stories often. Uh, and I think that audience is very ready for, for a film like that. So it can also have a long life in the sm on the smaller screens it, it going forward. And then it's about, again, about finding, okay, who are the partners who know about that? And I wonder, it's a, it's a, it's a problem. I mean, I think first what you're saying about finding the right uh, producing partners is very clear, but also the question about the right distribution partners for, for each work. Um, as the more innovative you are, in a way, the less likely it is that somebody has sold that same thing before. So I, I worry a little bit that producers will become much more responsible for the distribution strategies all through the life of, of, of a title. Is that something you're recognizing? Yes, uh, this is something which I recognize. And also, you know, this is about, um, you know, not only about Kill, uh, Kill, but also the other films, you know, that this is really, I think we have to, because we really know our films. We really know what they are. And I think that this is just giving into the sales agent who is, okay, he, he watches the film, but he doesn't really know the creator. He doesn't really, uh, you know, work with him for 14 or five or whatever years, you know. So this is, it's, so that, that's something which also influences the way you distribute the film. And uh, so the, the partnership should be very, very close. And it should be, we should request, I don't want to use the word demand, you know, the very specific, uh, you know, program and the very specific strategy from the sales agents for our particular film not just okay we will send it to festival abc and then we'll see yes we if 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 the fest if the film um, gets an award you know then the the buyers will come if it doesn't we will struggle and so on that's but that's not enough in our times mm -hmm. it's definitely yeah. not enough we need curating uh, starting from the from the moment of the of the of selling the film, you know, this is and then you know that's we come to the platforms which do not curate the films, which like 
for example, Netflix, which is putting everything they want, you know, this is for the... And, but again, we come there to the education, you know, of the audience. So this is really everything. It's so complex. It's very difficult to, you know, to part one thing from the other. You know, this is really because it's like Chinese box. You open one and there's another and there's another. So that's, that's think like, like that. But I think it's, it's, it's a great uh, subject to really discuss and consider. Yeah. Well, that brings me to, to your company, Extreme Emotions. Could you talk a little bit about how many you are and how, how your work looks? Um, there are not many of us. There are, there are you know, for everyday life, um, there are four of us, four women, you know, and, and th- these are all of, the, all of us. We were working together in Opus Film. And um, when Opus Film started to restructure, it's a great company. And I spent, you know, beautiful years there and whatever I learned and wherever I am now, it's also because, you know, I got a great support and I was really like, I had a lot of freedom in Opus. Practically, I could do what I what I wanted. Um, so still this is there. So there's not much difference. You know, the difference is that I am really, I, I, closed this the the safety umbrella which was over me when I was in Opus you know also financial safety because you know this is I was of course responsible for the project but I was I was always can go to the owner of the company and said listen I need you to cash flow my film or part of my film because this is the there is no this umbrella anymore so I have to struggle with that myself but I it was my very conscious decision when I was living Opus it was a restructuring you know they they uh, are more now into the um, TV series, TV shows, which I was really not ready. I did some working working with Opus, but I, I'm not really, this is not yet uh, my piece of cake. Maybe it will come, you know, my taste will change, but not yet. Uh, of course, I'm trying now. I'm I'm looking into it. I'm I'm thinking about you know. This is at the moment I'm talking to Netflix in Poland about something, um, but but it's still not my main field of expertise. And you know, will what what I to do? So they are coming back to the company. There are four of us. Um, let's say I'm the producer. I have the line producer, production manager, and the person who is responsible for you know all the uh, money uh, reasons and submissions and and all that. And to be honest, I'm missing another producer, at least a junior producer, because there are so many things coming. And, you know, my personality, who is really like, you know, my head is all over turning around uh, 360 degrees and I'm really looking for the projects. And sometimes it's very, very difficult to say, okay, I won't do it because my capacity is not enough. And it would be great to have somebody else which will help, uh, you know, the company to 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 do more projects we would like to do. There are some structural changes that are that are facing the whole industry, which mean extra work now, extra effort now, but but I think ultimately we all agree will be positive, gender equality, of course, and diversity of different kinds. And and then also on top of that, just like every other industry in the world, and now we are facing the, the necessity of a green transition as well. And I wonder how present are those kinds of, of, of sort of top-level concerns and big structural issues in, in your day-to-day work? Um, you know, this is really if you if you 
if we think about gender equality, if you think about green production and and all that, what is really what really needs restructuring, you know, um, um, with the attitude towards people and towards work and towards you know uh, expectations, I think this is this is something which this is very important for me, and this is also very important, I think, for everybody in my company, and 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 it's important that we we the philosophy of work is the same, you know, that's what what is very important, and ethics and morals. And and that's something which which you cannot. For me, it's impossible to kind of you know um, d- division between professional person and the person who you are in your everyday life. For me, I can't divide, and I, this is what I expect from people working with me. Uh, and so that's yes, you know, this is giving you the the gender and the position of women. And I, for me, I was talking about it years back, and I said, okay, this is statistics we are presenting now. We are, you know, we know we are we become through those years became aware of the of the of the problem and and this is not only in film industry but in life general which is great which i'm absolutely for and supporting but i think that we are still missing you know the the solutions the 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 proper solutions you know this is abc like i can give you my example again from my life you know i'm developing the film um with with a um you know with a debut there was a person who did a um well-known documentary uh and um we started to talk about a very interesting um you know feature film and uh once of a sudden you know i i'm i'm getting a message okay i'm i'm sick i cannot do this uh in the timeline we and i said fine you know just let me know Uh, i that's you know it's when you are okay and then i found that um the person uh, yeah let's let's not be but i think we should be open about it is pregnant and 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 then it's it's i can see this this being torn apart what should I be doing? Yes, you know, this is, I want to be happy because I'm I'm going to have a baby. And I'm very frustrated because, you know, I don't feel well. I have to be in bed, uh, God knows for how long, three months, six months, whatever. And then, you know, this, this desperate young woman whom I dearly love says, okay, but I think, you know, in the next three months, I will feel better. And in half a year, I will be on set with the baby, with it. And I texted her. The film, even the most important, can be postponed for half a year or a year. Life cannot be postponed. So live your life because it's film is also your life. But the, so that's something. Yes, we should be. Should I be angry and her from the production point of view? I should be. Yeah. Why? The timeline, you know, da, 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 da. people are writing me. Where are you with this project? We want to co-produce. And then you say, no, 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 no. I'm a woman. I had my two kids, my grown-up kids at the moment, and I remember how happy I was to have them. So that, and again, she gives birth, wants to come on the set. What about, you know, should we put the, you know, nursery and nanny in the budget? All these things, you know, we have to be practical about it. But I, I also think that this is one of those things where it's it's going to be a win-win across the across the industry. It, fathers have babies too. Men yes, also become course. parents. Of course. So it's also incredibly helpful that you are because like in this situation you're very invested in this project clearly. So when when both this this uh, creative uh, and you as a producer are 
really wanting to find solutions, suddenly, instead of saying, oh, it's impossible, you know, it becomes, okay, what would it take? And to me, also, I mean, in, in my life also, and as a consultant and all of this, to me, that's like the, the magic question isn't, is, is always what would it take? Because almost nothing is impossible. Everything comes at a cost, of course. But very often it might be worth doing that thing, whatever it is, creating that change and, and figuring out ways of doing it that can work, you know, um, for others as well, once you've, once you've made the effort once. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, so I think this is interesting. You've been talking uh, very much, of course, about your focus on the, on the feature film format. But at the same time, you do work with very different types of film, documentary as well. And as we said, animation. And you have this background and maybe future in television. Um, and also, who knows, there are all of these new ways of distributing qualitative content, which probably also will enter your work life. Do you have a way of knowing early on, early in, in production, do you already, already always know what format it will be? Or do you have a method for knowing, okay, maybe I thought this was a feature film, but maybe it's a TV series, or I thought this was documentary, maybe actually it's fiction. Um, you know, sometimes it ha- it's not, not always from the very beginning. No, it's, it's sometimes it's in the process, but, um, you know, it's like, 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 for example, animation. I think this is like with the puppet theater, which I also, it's my background with there, you know, some, some things, some emotions, some, this is very, it would be very difficult to, um, you know, go through actors, you know, um, live um, performance, you know, this is really, um, it could feel cheesy sometimes, you know, this is really like, like a cheap emotion, cheesy and, and uh, manipulative. But when you do it through animation, you know, you can really go go much deeper and really you show uh, like more open yourself you know and this doesn't feel as as being manipulated and um you know this is it's no it's usually the projects come as you know this is this is the format this is the animation this is the uh this is the documentary um i think you know but coming back to the to this the, the feature which we had to stop for the moment development you know the idea came actually from the from the um documentary film so that was really like okay this is this is a little transition a little transfer practically you know more de- developed documentary you know this is really going even deeper to the human nature so that sometimes it happens you know like the very beautiful example of the coexistence of both animation and you know live action was the congress by Ari Folman you know this was really and which I really enjoyed working on uh, because also of both you know this both genres you know meeting together and and complementing together really beautifully complementing um, this film also was not really it, it, it didn't sell well but still is living, you know, people still watch, people still ask about it. And so this is really like, it's it's a very, very long run and very long life of the film. So yeah, but answering just to summing up, no, I don't really know from the very beginning, you know, this is, or no from the very beginning, because the projects come as, as okay, animation or or, or, or live action or, or documentary, but really, you know, neither live, neither documentary nor live action is not my, you know, main uh, something which it comes which is interesting. I, I just jump on it. I have to ask the, because you mentioned that it, uh, you started your professional career at this very famous pup, famous puppet theater uh, in in Woods, where I think you're from. It's yes. called Arlequin. Yeah. Do, so do, this is a, it's funny, this, uh, um, it's a visual drama medium and it's very heightened, but it's so different from putting live humans on a, on a stage. Do you think that has affected how you think about storytelling? Yes, it does affect me. You know, this is really, I was like, you know, 
I think my 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 you know the fact that I'm very much interested in storytelling that came from reading. You know, this is really, you know, in my house, there was always reading, you know, this is from the early childhood, you know, I, my, my, it's very, it's, it's, I think it's a beautiful story. It's always makes me almost cry when I'm telling the story about my grandfather, who himself was an, an alphabet. And my grandmother, you know, taught him how to read, but he, all his life, he was reading very slowly, like, you know, syllabi, syllables. Mm-hmm. But, and we, but, but he was taking me on his, you know, lap and reading me books, like pointing syllable by syllable with his finger. And I learned to read very early. I was not even five when I, when I was, when I was reading. So, so reading and stories was all the time in my life. And also, you know, like my father, you know, cinema when I was a child, you know, every Sunday, my father took me to cinema, you know, for the morning shows and there were always animations. I remember the first one was was the uh, Disney animation of the uh, Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty. So that so that was and storytelling, I think you can use various genres to storytelling. You know, puppet theater at the moment it's also a combination very often of a live person and you know the 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 reaction uh and you know with the with, with the puppet. So that's that's also also very beautiful. And I think storytelling is very important, but but all, especially in cinema, you know, this is there is always a form. There is always in literature there is a form. You know, this is in 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 puppet theater it's a form. Uh, various puppets, you know, this is puppet. It's a very general, you know, name. And the same in cinema, you know, there is there is a, there is a, a content. There is a story, and there is a form which should complement. It should beautifully complement, you know, the story. And I think that form, if we speak about art. The form is equally important as the storytelling. But I love telling stories. I love stories, yes. I'm very optimistic about the future of, of the film industry because, specifically because uh, what we used to think of as television and film were so separate and now because of all of these technological changes, both the, the viewing experience and the production uh, have in many ways become closer to each other. That opens so many formal possibilities. Uh, and I think that we're going to see so much creativity going forward in in this and that there's almost a threat in our own um, um, that sometimes we can be be conservative within the industry because we love a specific form so much that it blocks us from 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 working with another one true yes very true um <laughs> you know this is this that's but but i think that you know this is the the new medium uh, the new media uh, also sometimes, you know, need new tools, new new ways of approach. You know, this is. I think that the, the good example may be the Roma. Uh, you know, Alfonso's, and you know, this is this film which I saw a couple of times. You know, on on a big screen, and uh, with with some you know comments I have on it. I, all in all, I it, I was impressed by that. I was really impressed. And then when I when uh, my my friends were watching it on on TV screens, even big TV screens at home, they were saying, well. What what is really a fuss about it? You know, this is really like because sometimes you need this breathing, you need this, you know, you need this space not only on the big screen but also what you know this the, the breathing between the screen and yourself. You know, so this is really something. So I think that 
still keeping the art inside because you know tv series can be really beautiful piece of art not only storytelling uh but we have to think that for what media are we are we doing that you know so this is not just just really like used exactly the same because it worked on one one you know medium and then you you transferred it to the to the other without really thinking oh i agree so much things can be feature length without necessarily being... But we're, I think we're going to need more words. Uh, like a, a, it, something can be feature length and fiction. And depending on what type of ex- screening experience it's sort of created for, of course. I think maybe we may need different types of words. Yes. I mean, <laughs> we used to have something called a TV movie, but that was almost like uh, shameful. Like that was not something that was respected. Yes. But now, you know, if our greatest filmmakers also make TV movies then, of course, those are also going to be fantastic. And I always think, I mean, of course, I'm based here in Sweden. Ingmar Bergman made a television and he loved also, he loved American commercial soap operas and things like that. And he understood which bits, you know, what yes. belongs in the theater, what belongs on television and, and what is a film. And maybe we're all going to have to learn from him on, on this. Here's the question, though. How do you decide whether a project should be a co-production? You know, the, the, the most simple answer would be money, <laughs> which comes, you know, to, to because this is really what, what we are very often, you know, the the uh, ambitious projects cannot be financed from one country, you know. And the reason is, and I hope it will change because of the streamers and because of the television, because, you know, this is really like, for example, in Poland, it's, of course, you we have a great fund, uh, really, really, I think, it developed for all these years and it's really supportive. There is There is quite a lot of money. Uh, and, um, but this is, they can finance up to 50% of the budget. Yes. Another 50% you have to bring from so-called market. And, you know, the market is, is quite limited, used to be quite limited. You know, this is, we have regional funds. Now we have the cash rebate, of course, which you can apply to. So the market is widening a little bit. And, and of course, you know, the television, you, you, you could go and they can, uh, you know, pre-buy the license or they, in, in some cases, they can, you know, uh, become on board as, as co-producers. But sometimes if there is a bigger budget film, it, it's still not enough because, you know, this is the, the licenses are not that, you know, they do not buy licenses for millions. They, you know, the original fans, they don't have millions to, to, to share. So this is sometimes, you know, we still have a gap and you have to say, okay, I can go to Orimage, but to go to Orimage, I have to have a, a find a, a, a co-producer. But I believe in co-productions. You know, this is Roberto always sometimes, you know, re- reminding uh, years, years back, you know, this is we we had uh, kind of a meeting in, I think it was in Armenia. Yes, in Armenia. And we were discussing a co-production and I was so inexperienced then. But anyway, I felt that co-production is the, is the future also from the, you know, human... Uh, human um, factor because I thought and I truly believe that co-productions go somewhere beyond the film itself you know this is when people work together when they create together this is something this is additional value so yes okay so let's think money and then of course this is as I said you go and think okay who would be looking at this project the same as I'm looking, who would fell in love in it. In it. And uh, so that's some, for example, you know, this is the, 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 the film um, the, by, by Tomek Vasilevsky, The Fools, which has not been released yet. You know, I, th- I was sure that Ada Solomon would, would be the person to, to, to co-produce it with. And, um, and, 
and I I wanted her and she said don't send me the script send me the you know the the summary or whatever and I said no 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 just the summary doesn't give you what this project is about you you have to read the script and I was able to f- to convince her and she read the script and she told me yeah you were right I'm in so this is sometimes you you it's not only knowing but convince the person the person may not even know that she's the right person at the end of the day but if you convince and if you talk I think that that you really that you really got a, a real bond and and you can continue and you can go on working together and and uh, and yes and that's that's something which which we which we should do know who we are and of course for 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 you know this is sometimes if you think that somebody is good because of what 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 films they made but you have never worked with them before you should don't be afraid of you know talking to your friends and people you know to ask what this person is like you know not only as a as a producer but as a human being because he may be great producer but totally the chemistry between you two may not work at all and i think that's a disaster that could be a disaster and that is a strong argument again for for the meeting places for getting you know we, people say oh but will we need markets will we need festivals yes yes, I, yes. yes. We, because yes. we need to spend formal and informal time together absolutely uh, but the kinds of work maybe we spend more time in these places getting to know each other and the meetings can be online later Yes, exactly. But you know, this is this 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 interaction, you know, physical interaction and meeting people as you said, it's absolutely something we cannot, you know, underestimate. This is something very very important and uh and this is what we are, the human beings, you know. This is really like uh yeah, and let's stay like that, please. Let's stay like that. So we're coming to the end end of our time. I have three sort of final questions. The first is obviously the classic, what's what's next for you? What's your next year? And next year, you know, this year is 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 Jonathan Glazer. You know, this is I I can't speak too much about it, but it's again, um, you know, not yet because we there was no um, an official announcement of this film, uh, but but it's something again very challenging, uh, and it will be something very new and very challenging also for the audience, which is which is beautiful. Uh, and um, I am I, I I'm buying the option for for the script which I which I liked you know from the very new in our Polish market um, writer and but I I was a ju- um, um, in a jury of the competition for the scripts and I read another script of this of this writer who was taken already so I talked to him and it's something really beautiful and very fresh so this is this is I hope I will be doing it next year. Also, you know that you know this Netflix series, which I think will be, it should be a premium. It should be really, really very well done, subject-wise, uh, but also the form-wise. And now we we started the development of it, and that would be something I will be again um, very proud of. And um, of course, there is a, a Romanian co-production, Reciprocity with Ada, which which we are you know um, cooking together, and hopefully that would be. And um, and then hopefully you know there will be um, another film by Pavel Pavlikovsky you know it's so so there's a lot of things you know coming and that's that's always my problem you know there's too many too many things I'm interested in you know and actually that's a luxurious pro- it, problem it, to have it, it is a luxurious problem to have yes yes and just to let you know yesterday I got a script to to uh, read from the um, from the actress uh, from Ida. You know the 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 one who played Ida, 
and who never wanted to be an actor. Uh, we use that form now. So, but she wants to be a director and she develops scripts and now she sent me her, her new script. And I think that is also fascinating. I haven't read it yet, but, you know, talking to her and knowing her, I think it might be something very interesting. So a lot of things are coming, you know. Yes, and It's very exciting and a little bit of newsworthy content for our, our pod also there. It's wonderful to hear straight from the horse's mouth. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the final questions then is a sort of two-parter. I would ask for advice from you for two kinds of new producers, but we're going to do it in two steps. First, we imagine there is a producer who is just starting out. Maybe they are 27 years old. They're working on their first project as a producer. What advice do you have for this person? To be honest, you know, I would advise the person to start as a co-producer, start as a minority co-producer, you know. This is really, even if they develop their own project, you know, try to find the project which maybe from, you know, a little bit more experience, but maybe not exactly, but a person who would like to team up with, with somebody young, you know, who has the same look at the world. And, you know, this is something, look for that, because, you know, this is really, you can learn a lot, but still your responsibility is not that huge. Because if you are a leading producer, you know, we are responsible for your task, but also we are responsible for what your co-producer brings, yes? So this is really... Learn from that. That would be, I don't know, maybe this is, this, is, this is not the right, but that would be my approach, to be honest. Like start with, from something smaller, some, start from a little bit less responsibility. And then, of course, when you have your project and you are, this is your first project as a producer and probably the first project as a director, maybe you have a young colleague which you want to produce, you know, this is really try to team up with somebody more experienced uh, but at the same time, who will not kind of overjump you over, you know, telling you do this, do this, do that, but try to keep your integrity and independence um, as a producer. But somebody who, as I said, who will love the project and who will help you uh, not, you know, overtaking your space. That is very important. It's not easy. It's difficult. That's why talk to your colleagues, talk to your friends. Look, go into the markets, you know, uh, meet people, go to the festivals, you know, meet people informally yeah. and ask your colleagues to introduce you to someone. You know, this is really like, like built because, you know, the network, network and network is the basis of our work. You know, this is really and you build a network and then you start with that, I think. So now let's imagine someone then who is maybe 10 years into their producing career. They learned the job uh, they manage well enough. And they are now shifting from a kind of startup phase towards thinking about long-term sustainability for their career and for their production company. What advice do you have for this person? First of all, you know, this is just don't work on a single project. Think about a slate of projects, you know. I think this is important because you have experience, enough experience after 10 years of making films. Let's say even if you work, um, you know, a, a film every two years, you, you've already made five, uh, which is a lot. Uh, and uh, I think that this is start about thinking, if you haven't done it yet, about, uh, you know, slate of projects. So this is really, you can have it like the, the long-term planning, also 
last year, you know, was a big lessons about what to do about planning. So always have a plan B, plan C, plan D. You know, this is really like what happens. So you can always shift and try to have like the variety of stages of the projects you are in. Okay, so one is in development. The other one is, you know, maybe in in production. The other one is in post-production. And the other one, let's say, is in, you know, in the festival circle. You know, this is really... Again, as I said, it's not easy, but you know, without trying, without you know, uh, that that in that way you can make the the company running. You know, this is that that's it. Without that, it might be it might be easy, difficult because okay, you made a film, and now unless unless your philosophy is like that. Because it's my company's philosophy is a bit like that, at least at the moment. Okay, we are doing the the Glazer film this year. You know, we did another one. I did as a producer with another company, to be honest. Um, the film in in at the beginning of the year. Now with my company full involvement, you know, I did the Glazer project, and then. I'm not so sure that I will be able to finance another project for next year. Okay, so this is if we are not producing, this is not the end of the world. Okay, but we can develop two projects or three projects, you know, develop but finance that one which we are not able to finance this year. So there is always something to do in the company. And, you know, this is something what how my company functions. You know, I do not employ people. People are on a kind of self-employment. Each of them has a little company. So when I feel it was like last year, if there is no enough work in, in my company, which we love each other, we want to work together. But I say, I'm setting you free for this period of time. If there is another job for you, you may, de- you may develop yourself as a professional. You may learn new things. You want to do it. Go and do it. But please remember, I would need you back on this and this month, you know. So, so that's something you have to be, um, yeah, I think flexible. I think flexible. I don't think... Uh, at least in my environment, in my philosophy, I don't want my company to develop to produce, you know, ten films uh, within two years. Or no, I want to have it like a kind of a boutique company, and really, you know, to do the films, I and my, you know, my my girls, as I call them, want to do. But to be honest, I am the, I'm coming and I'm telling read it but i think we should do it and they usually agreed and so i'm kind of you know the driving factor and just to finish you know i think that um it's only worth working on the project and this is again my philosophy maybe i overuse this word which helped me to develop not only professionally but on also or maybe mainly as a human being I, I work with people only, which I can learn from, which I can develop myself. So this is, but it doesn't mean that I have to work with people like Glazer Pavlikowski. No, first time directors can teach me a lot of things because they are young. I look at the world is different and I can learn. As for example, my music box, I'm, I, I, everything I learned is from my kids. So this is really like, like that, that kind of thing, you know. That's wonderful. And I think maybe that's the philosophy. That's where we're going to end this episode. Thank you so much, Eva Puschinska, for taking the time uh, to to join us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Joanna, for talking. It was really, really a real pleasure for me to be here and to talk. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Thanks again to the Goethe Institute for supporting this podcast from the European film market. And thanks in particular to Martina Bleis of the Berlinale co-production market. If you're not a subscriber already, do hit subscribe on your podcast provider or look us up at www.efmberlinale.de. That's efm-berlinale.de. And if you really like us, rate us. That helps others find the show.